Good morning. I was not trying to be unsociable, but my back has really been giving me some fits here lately. Had four or five great days, and then this morning about 5.30, I just turned over in the bed and bam, there it went. So the enemy's trying to keep me from preaching today, and that ain't gonna happen. So we'll just uh, go from there. Yeah. All right, if you are a guest, your first or second time, third time maybe, if you would please fill out the registration, rip that off, drop it in the offering plate when it comes around a little bit later. You can also read the details of things that are coming up uh, because it's a new season starting a woman's heart. Ladies, is this Tuesday? Um, and then let's see, you can read about the upcoming baptism and the Lord's Supper, and we will be observing that. Um, but since I didn't get to do my normal, which is move around a little bit and shake hands, what I want you to all do is if you just humor me a moment and everybody stick your right hand out like you're shaking hands. All right. Now I'm going to say, hi, my name is, and then you say your name too. Hi, my name is, say your name. Now I've met every one of you, every one of you, seen you all, shook your hand. Don't say he didn't shake my hand today. All right. Let's stand. Welcome somebody around you to church.
cross. Jesus is waiting. God so loved the world.
thousand generations falling down in worship to sing the song of ages to the Lamb. And all who've gone before us and all who will believe will sing the song of ages to the
trust the Lord this morning with all your heart. I'm learning. There's nothing more I want to do than trust the Lord with all my heart. And when I do, He makes clear and makes the path straight. I am forever grateful. That's what this song is all about, trusting God. Turning back. 
thank you this morning that you are the kind of God that we can follow forever, Father. You are our friend, our Savior, our Father. Lord, I want to thank you for what you've done for me this week, Lord, personally. You bring us through so many things, Lord, that we could never do by ourselves. It is the power of the Holy Spirit. And you are so good, good, good to us, Father, to help us never to forget in the good times what you did for us in the valleys, in the shadows. You are the same. You will never change. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the time we have this moment to give, to thank you for who you are. We praise you. We worship you in Jesus' precious name. Let there be light. Well, again, it's good to see you. Thank you, guys. Um, hope you have your sermon notes. Have them available that we can um, go over this sermon today. This is the last one in a little mini series on how we need to be radical. Uh, and again, not the way the world defines that, but the way the Bible defines that of, of having a radical Christian life. I firmly believe because of the last three weeks that the enemy does not want me to preach, and especially this sermon today. I mean that, because uh, when I pre preached on having a uh, radical compassion, and last week, radical trust, um, you know, the back thing, and by the way, if you see me go, ah, it's just a spasm real fast, it'll probably go away. <laughs> um, didn't happen in the first service. We pray it won't here either. But um, this sermon today, 
I'm not sure, this is one of those sermons that's not easy for me to preach because, you know, we, we like uh, one, two, three, four main points and some sub points that everybody can follow. And I'm going to be doing something a little bit different with this message today. <clears throat> you notice that in your notes there, it's not like that. There are some places to fill in the blanks, but it's different than you're used to. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and so what I'd like to do is tell you this. I'm going to share with you some personal things today, not, not what you're probably thinking, but some things in my life of how God has gotten me to the point <clears throat> that I'm at today. And I'd love to tell you that, oh, this happened 20 or 30 years ago, but it didn't. Uh, I, I am just now, and I know I'll go even more in the Lord's work, um, understanding what it is he wants me to do. You know, it, it's really a strange thing that you can preach for 42 years and get to, to be a little bit older than 70 and uh, feel like you still got a lot to learn. Um, and, you know, and you learn something all the time. So what I want to do today is talk to you about having a radical urgency for your Christian life. And if you followed what's happening over in Israel right now, folks, we don't have much time. I'm telling you, the Lord's coming. The rapture is going to take place uh, sooner rather than later, and you better be ready. You better know that you're ready for that. And, and if you're a believer, you are ready, but in the meantime, we should be living for the Lord, amen? <clears throat> and um, so I hope that that will somehow come across today. I think when we get to the end of the ser a sermon and I start trying to just put it all together, it may then all come together for you too. So I'm looking at my notes here, and I've got like a word. And that word's supposed to trigger what I want to say, you know, uh, in my life, about my life. And um, hopefully it'll be the same thing I said in the first service. It won't be different. Nah, it will be. So I'm going to ask you, let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer to start with. Father, as we bow before you this morning, um, we just, we're glad to be here. But in the, in the quietness of our heart, would you speak to us today? to that person that's maybe here for the first time and church is all new to them and what goes on in church is new to them, to that person that's been walking with you for 50 years, Lord, would you speak to us so that we can change? We ask you to do that this morning. Would you come into this place with your power of your Holy Spirit? Speak to us. And Lord, meet us where we are, even in the brokenness of our life. Make us new changes for your glory, and we ask it in Christ's name, amen. <clears throat> if you spent time in church growing up, I'm sure that you heard the story of Jacob. You heard Jacob? Jacob's ladder, they probably showed you that on a flannel graph way back. In the Old Testament, we started out with three patriarchs, three big guys, Abraham, who had a son named Isaac, who had a son named Jacob. And this story that we're going to look at today is a little bit different. For some of you that may not know your Bible, it may even sound a little bit weird, but it is the story of God wrestling with Jacob all night one night. You remember that story? God and Jacob wrestled. Now, we don't know. My opinion is probably it was God in the form of an angel. Or, you know, they would, they would, he would come to earth as, as people So, because we know that the Bible says God is a spirit. But this was somebody that was actually 
wrestling with Jacob. Now, I believe also that it was more than just a physical match, which it was. I believe it was a time of testing, a time of character change for Jacob, as we'll see by what happened to him. But it lasted all night long. Now, there's a couple of things that we learn after this wrestling match is over. At the end of it, God dislocates his hip. See, he wants, God, he wants to ask God, well, who are you? Tell me your name. He said, no, I'm not going to do that. He dislocated his hip and then, of course, gave him another name. Now, the second thing that I learn about it is since he dislocated his hip, are you listening? From then on, Jacob walked with a limp. From then on, the man had a limp. And now God is going to change his name. He's going to change it from Jacob to Israel. And as you know, back in the day, your name was synonymous with your character. So two things occur as Jacob wrestles with God. Um, Jacob, in this time of testing, his character is changed, and he never walked the same physically even after that. I, of course, we pastors read commentaries. We'll, we'll, we'll say, oh, I want to talk about Jacob, and I think there's some things we can learn so you go to a commentary or you go to a Bible encyclopedia or whatever to find out what people that are a lot smarter than we are, you know, what did they write about it? What do they know about the culture in that day that, that would help us out? And one of the articles that I read by a very good and godly uh, commentator and pastor may, said this. He said that in this story, after the article says that God touched his hip, and that he never walked the same again, here's, here's how he concluded. I want you to think about it before you think, um, comment on it out loud to yourself. Never trust a man or a woman of God who doesn't walk with a limp. Who doesn't walk with a limp. Now think about that for what, what that means. Never trust a man or a woman of God that God hadn't taken to the mat a couple of times and done something in their life. So what I want to do today, interspersed throughout, is just share with you how I got my limp. How I got my limp in the past and today and how the Lord has used that to bring me to the place I am right now. I would love to tell you that... I learned this years and years ago, and everything was great, and oh, I had a little few things, that, but that's not true. There, there's some things, a couple of things, I'm going to mention one to you today. Most of you are going to say, that's nothing, but I'm telling you, it is. If God asks you to do something, and you don't do it, then that's something. And it may seem little or mild to us, but not to the Lord. Everything, I got my limp starting back in 1991. I was pastoring in Colorado. My life was out there and everything started falling apart. Relationship was falling apart, losing not only what I felt was a, my family, but the church that I loved and the church that I had built up and physically and, and, and numerically and everything else. And the Lord started working in my life. See, I, I started really getting serious about the Lord in 1979. And from 1979, I, 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 would tell, I would tell you, and it would be true, I love the Lord. 
You know, I really did. I, I was in love with him. But here's the thing I want you to hear about my walk with Jesus. As much as I loved him and as much as I wanted to serve him, as I look back, there were these small things in my life that even though I loved him, I would not surrender to him. And I'm hoping that God will speak to your heart today. And looking back, uh, I remember very clearly there were instances in my walk with the Lord and my relationship with him where I would feel the spirit actually saying to me, Lord, I want to give you, I want you to give this up. I want you to surrender this part of your life to me. And although I didn't say it with my mouth, my actions always said no to the Lord. There were a lot of things that, that I, I could have given him that would have made a difference in my life. You may remember the story, and God brought this to my mind many, many years ago, this story that I thought was just out of the blue, but it's not. You remember the story of Cain and Abel and how Cain the first, killed, the first, he was the first murderer on earth, killed his brother Abel. And before, before Cain killed him, God appeared to him and said something to him. He said, now look, Cain, before you do this, before you go and commit this sin, you need to understand sin is crouching at your door. Now, what does that mean? God is saying to him, it is like a wild animal. That was the picture that he wants us to get. Like a wild animal and his desire to take you out. But Cain ignored God. Now, mine wasn't murder, but in so many ways, in, in fighting it, I was like that. Now, I'll come back in a minute and share some other things with you. But I've got the testimony. I, I know quite a few pastors, and I know a lot of their testimony. They know mine. We've, we've talked it over and over and over. And in preparing for this sermon, one of them said, well, Lord, let me tell you what my limp was, what God had to do in my life. He said, people think it probably is minor, but mine was food. He said, mine was food. He said, I, I realized at some point I was really a glutton. He said, I, I ate whatever I wanted to eat whenever I wanted to eat it as often as I wanted to eat it. And I was very, very, very overweight. And it was not a good testimony. Another pastor that I talked to, right, you won't, by the way, don't try to figure out who these are. They're not in our church. You won't, you won't get them. But this pastor said to me, I grew up in a little tiny town in Texas and God was speaking to me over and over and over about giving up chewing tobacco. Now you may think that's nothing to that, but he said God was definitely speaking into my heart about that. But I would just say, oh, it's no big deal. You know, it's nothing wrong. It's not a million sins. So, you know, no big deal. And he would never give, he has now, but would not give it up. And then another one said something that I think maybe goes a little deeper for maybe a lot of us in here right now, guys especially. He said, it's what I used to be looking at, pornography and lust. Do you know that, just a little side here, do you know that the last thing I read was that about over 40% of pastors are hooked on pornography? That, that may shock you. But this man, this pastor would tell you, I grew up in a home where there was Playboy and daddy didn't hide it. It was out for anybody to see. And he said, um, so all those years of growing up, I struggled. 
when I went to college, he said that the internet had not been invented yet. So I was struggling there, but watching and looking at things I shouldn't. And he said, and then when the internet came out, it was like having a playboy in front of you all day long. If you wanted it 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And he said, and the Lord kept speaking to me and I kept saying, it's nothing, this is natural. And he said, and I realized it wasn't. He came within one week, he said, of losing his health, his family, his marriage, and his church. Now, let me, let me go back and tell you some other things. For me, November of 2020, not that long ago, right? If some of you, this is repetitive. You know this if you've been on Wednesday night. I was walking out to the mailbox, and when I got to the mailbox, I thought I was dying. I thought I'm having a heart attack or this is an asthma attack. And I've, I've known people that have died from that. And so I thought that's what I was dealing with. Well, that started a process in my life where for about a year, a year and four months, they th thought they were treating me for asthma. Wasn't it? Then it was, no, you got real bad AFib. So they're going to start treating you for that. About a year of that. No, it's not that. It's heart failure. Um, and uh, no, it's not exactly that. It's worse than that. It's this thing called ATTRCM, and there is no cure for it, and it is, it is life-threatening. So on March of 21, which would have been, what, five or six months later, I'm in the doctor's office, and they're telling me what's really happening. All the doctors are there. They're saying, yes, you have ATTRCM, and this is what you can expect. And I didn't cry then, um, but, you know, on the way home, and it wasn't really, it wasn't hearing what they said. It was having those six months of feeling like you're at a doctor's office every week. You know, it just kind of all came in together. And I remember just crying out to the Lord, you know, just, Lord, I, I need you to comfort me. I don't know, I don't know how to handle this, you know, and, and what does this mean for me preaching? What does this mean, you know, for, for my family? And um, you can imagine when I got home, the first thing I did was grab my Bible. And guess what book I started reading on purpose? Psalms. When you're going through difficult times, that's what you want to focus on. And I remembered that pastor that, that was dealing with the pornography and telling me his story, although we had a lot of different, it was different in what we were dealing with. But he said, you know, he said, the scripture that God gave me was over in Jeremiah 2, 13, where it says, for my people have committed two evils. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living water, to build for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that hold no water. And he said, that's what I felt like God was saying to me. You're broken. And you're digging cisterns by all these excuses that I will not accept. And then he also talked about Jeremiah 2, 5, where the Lord said to him, what injustice did you find in me? God says that you went far from me and that you walked after emptiness. And as a result, you became empty. Now, I don't know what it is for you. And I don't know if I'm going to get this across well enough, but I trust the Holy Spirit to do that. I realized in that moment, somewhere between Williston and Dunellen, that God was not going to comfort me yet. Yet. It's a big word. But what the Lord was doing, are you listening? What the Lord was doing became very clear to me, and that is he was disciplining me. He was disciplining me. 
No doubt about it. And again, nothing immoral, nothing unethical. And when I tell you in a little bit, you're going to say, well, that's nothing. Yes, it was something. When you don't obey God, it's something. And you say, some of you may be new here saying, wait a minute, the Lord disciplines us? Yes. Especially if you're his child. The Bible says in Hebrews 12, 7, it is for discipline that you endure. So Hebrews says the reason you endure as a child of God is for what reason? For discipline. He's going to discipline you. And then it says, what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you're illegitimate children and not sons. What does that mean? That means, folks, if you're disobeying God, if God has spoken to you and you're disobeying it and you're living out of his will and you really are a believer and nothing happens, you need to ask yourself, am I really a believer? Have I really been born again? Because God will discipline us. Furthermore, we have earthly fathers that discipline us and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father and the Spirit and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we might share in his holiness. All, yeah, all discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Y'all agree with that? That's true. Yet to those who've been trained by it afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruits of righteousness. You know, Jesus said in a, in a place in the old, in the uh, first part of the old of the New Testament, he said, narrow is the way that leads to life and few there are that find it. But the way that leads to destruction is broad. And that's where most people are going. Now, let me tell you what's happened. When I get out of the will of God, in, inevitably the first thing that comes and happens to me is I get under deep conviction of the Holy Spirit. He just, he just won't, he'll, it's almost like he crashes into my life. Um, there have been times uh, in my walk with the Lord when I've stepped off that narrow road and I, I sin against the Lord and the Holy Spirit will speak to me and tell me what I'm doing. Now, I'm gonna share with you something I've never shared to anybody but the first service and now all of you. You're the first to know this, and I feel like I'm old enough that I can tell you, and uh, you, some of you may understand. Some of you are going to say, ooh, really? Here's what the Lord was speaking to me about. For years, in Colorado, coming back here at Gulf to Lake Church, for all these years, up until, I'm just going to be honest with you, until a couple of years ago, the Lord has really been speaking to my heart about the music I listen to because I love country music. But the truth is, folks, there are a lot of songs that I like the beat and I like the everything, but they're talking about bar hopping, wife swapping, and everything else. And a child of God, a preacher, shouldn't be doing that. Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about all, there's some good songs, and I, I still like my good songs. Like He Stopped Loving Her Today, you know, songs like that. Those are good songs. But the Lord convicted me, you don't need to be, you know, you just indiscriminately are listening to that. 
Now, that, again, that may not, but I'm going to tell you, the Lord disciplined me for that because it was something that I needed to get right. Now, for the rest of our time, now that you know that, I want to tell you what the Lord's been doing. Here they are. First of all, the first thing he's been doing and teaching me was surrender, to surrender. God will pick, you can fill in the blank there. I forgot that when God will pick me up and put me back on the narrow road. Is that right? Do y'all have a blank that I didn't fill in for you? Yeah, I think that would probably be it. That God will pick me up, yeah, 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 and put me on the narrow road again. And he did. The first thing that I had to learn was to surrender. See, I wasn't surrendering everything, and I knew it. And it was in the back of my mind all the time. And I'd pray and ask for forgiveness, and guess what would always pop in my mind? That because I wasn't really willing to deal with it. There was surrender. The second thing was urgency. The Lord in the last three years, I mean, when you, listen, when you go to the doctor and they tell you you got something, don't look it up on the internet. (laughs) Don't look it up. Because when I went and looked up this thing, ATTRCM, cardiac amyloidosis, and I'm looking that up, and they're saying, well, the average is four year, 4.3 years from the time it's diagnosed. And I'm thinking, man, I've had two already. You know, you start, your mind starts playing games. But the Lord was teaching me and has taught me, and is even now with the heart thing and the back thing, the urgency. You got to preach with urgency. People have got to hear the truth urgently, you know, because his coming is near. And I want all of you to be in heaven. I don't want you to miss heaven. I don't want you to hear my voice and and me preach on trust or salvation and you not respond to that. I want you to know for sure that you're going to be with us in heaven. And in reading some of the things that David said, for instance, Psalm 39, David said this, Lord, I want you to show me how long I'm going to live. Show me the length of my days. Now, does he mean there, Lord, let me, show me you're going to let me live a long time? No. Here's what he's saying. He's actually saying, Lord, show me how short the days really are. It says, and reveal to me that my life is just like a what? Breath. That's it. It's gone. That fast. Now, here's the, here's the point. There is a direct connection between understanding how short your life is and how urgently you live it. We agree with that? There's a connection. If you really know how short life is, then there's a connection or should be with how urgently you are living. Now, we live our lives like we got 10 more, 20 more, 30 more. Some of you younger guys, 40 more. You got all that time. And we walk around like there's no end to it. But I want to ask you some questions. Now I'm getting to the meat of the message. Are you ready to think about something? How would it change the way that you live now? How would it change the way you're living right now if you knew that one week from today, you're not going to be here. Game's over. You're, 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 you, you die. How, how would it change the way you live now? If next 
Next Sunday morning, this time, it's over. Let me ask you some questions. You don't need to answer them out loud. If you knew that you were going to die in seven days, would you look at pornography tonight? No. If you knew that you were going to die in seven days, would you answer that Facebook message that you got from an ex-boyfriend or ex-girlfriend? No, you wouldn't. If you knew that you were going to die seven, uh, one week from today, would you go to the, pu the pubs and stuff and, and spend the weekend at, at the pubs thinking you're having a good time? No, you wouldn't. If you knew that you were going to only live one more week, would it affect the way you pray? Would it? Would your prayer today at lunch be good food, good meat, good Lord, let's eat? I don't think so. I mean, you would, be, it would, you would be asking God for details and comfort and help in your life. Would it, would it affect the way you read the Bible? Yes. You wouldn't just be haphazard about it, man. You would say, well, this, this is the lifeline between me and my God. You know, I'm going to stand before an almighty God. And this can help me right now. It just simply means this. Are you ready? Suffering makes the Bible come alive. Suffering makes the Bible come alive. You know, the Bible says, consider it all joy when you encounter various trials. And by the way, if you knew that you were not going to be here one week from today, would it change the way you treat your wife or your husband or your children? I think it would. I think a lot of you would sit them down in front of you and say, look, I want you to know something. Next to the Lord Jesus Christ, you're the most important thing in my life. And I treasure you and I value you and I, and I love you. Understanding what life is really, how brief it is, and the urgency that we need to start having. And I'm going to tell you, I do believe that God has disciplined me. You say, well, that doesn't seem like a lot to do. Well, yeah, it is. So that I wouldn't waste my life. And the last thing that God has shown me, and I preached a whole sermon last week, is you better learn to trust me with a radical trust. And I'm going to tell you, he's helped me with my back now. The heart thing, we, he and I have got that kind of worked out. But the back thing, he's really teaching me more and more how to trust him every day. And not think that I've got all this time ahead of me. When he was dying on the cross, someone came to Jesus as he was hanging there. I believe it was like the uh, um, Jewish, the high priest or people like that. And they started screaming at Jesus. Remember, Jesus, come off the cross. If you're really the son of God, Come off the cross and we'll believe you. You said you trusted God. Well, let's see that you really do trust him. But you know what? Jesus could not get off that cross. Stay with me here. I'm about to finish. Jesus could not get off that cross because in that moment, to trust God meant staying on the cross. Staying on the cross. Tomorrow, two weeks ago, September 25th, 11 a.m. in my office.
praying about my back being so bad and the heart issue and, you know, they want to do another shock thing to try to get it back in rhythm and all that stuff that's coming up in a few weeks. I believe the Lord, I didn't hear a voice, but I believe he spoke to me as plain as anything else. And here's what he said. Lord, trusting me means you don't get to get off the cross. And maybe he's speaking to some of you right now. I Listen, I'm not saying that if you'll give all your junk to the Lord Jesus, he's going to heal you of cancer or your heart issue. What I am saying is that the scripture promises that if you're in Christ Jesus, he will complete the work in you till it is done. And you're not going to go, listen, you're not going to die one hour sooner or later than God has ordained. And that is trust. Let's pray. With our heads bowed, I got a, three questions. First, do you trust him this morning with a radical trust? in what you're facing, in your children, in your marriage, in your health, all the trials, do you trust God? Secondly, are you living with urgency? Are you getting up realizing, man, my life is just a breath? And finally, is there anything in your life that God is calling you to give up? Maybe for a really long time. And he's calling your name saying, I want you to give me that part, that little part of your life. And let me say this. Jesus is worthy of that little part being given to him. What would it look like this morning for you to give him everything? And I believe God wants to do some amazing things through this church, but first he wants to do some amazing things in us. Amen. I'm gonna ask you to just stand and we're gonna sing that chorus uh, that we sang. I kinda like that. The, I've decided to follow Jesus. So ask you to join us in that. I have Let's sing that again one more time. y'all so much for being here today. I'm going to kind of take my time getting down here. So have a great Sunday afternoon. Thank you for putting up with me and my back bothering me. I hope the Lord blessed you today. Have a good one.